We return this morning to Hebrews chapter 10. We pick up at verse 26. For if we sin willfully, after that, we have received the knowledge of the truth. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for the, of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries, or enemies, if you will. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. I'd like to add, at the hands of men. Verse 29, of how much sorer punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified, an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him, capital H, for we know him, that has said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. We'll stop right there. Father, this morning, we express to you our thanksgiving to come to this text of Scripture, but there is, with that thanksgiving, a certain sense of angst, because it is apparent, even upon first reading, that it is a warning most severe. And we want to be careful that we might do the text reverence especially before these moments of fellowship at the table of our Lord. And there is no doubt that the warning that we'll begin to study this week and continue to study in coming weeks of this month uniquely underscores the blessedness of our recall at the table of the Lord concerning the perfections of his finished work, concerning our sins. It does invoke in us, when we think correctly, a righteous sense of thanksgiving and praise towards you. And we would ask that you would help us with that today, even as we begin to work with a warning, and as we anticipate the fellowship of believers around the table of our Lord. Thank you for what we have received from thee, our God. We praise you, and we do so in Jesus' name, and for his blessed sake, amen. Last summer, 
we spent a month on the biblical topic of authority. We taught that all authority is intrinsic to God and God alone. We also taught that in this era of human history, something of God's authority has been given to the home, to the church, and to the state. We also taught that the authority given to the home and the state includes a corporal element of punishment. When you talk about the home, you can talk about the switch or the stick or the rod in the life of a child. God gave the switch, the stick, and the rod to parents in the home. And while we'd all admit that there can be phenomenal and sinful abuse, the reality is it's just plain stupid for a parent to let go of that which God has given in the switch or the stick and the rod. We hear parents today all the time say, I'd never spank my kid. I hope I don't have to spend a long time around that kid. The switch has been given to parents purposefully for righteous reasons and as from God. And then there's the sword. The sword is given to the state, the government. The home has been given authority and responsibility from God to discipline its home, its own in the home. And that authority includes physical punishments, wise physical punishments, and the government has been given authority and responsibility for it before God to maintain civil law, and that includes the punishments applied as represented by the sword. The local church, as that third entity in this era with authority from God, has been given authority and responsibility before God to discipline wayward members. But that does not include any physical or corporeal punishments. The local church bears not the switch. The local church bears not the sword. There is no Baptist mafia. If there were, I would surely join. But there is none. Now, with that reminder of clarification, I want you to listen carefully to the statement of Dr. Robert Gromacki concerning the warning found in our text. Quote, a violator under the old covenant suffered at the hands of men. That's why I read in verse 28 an additional phrase. 28, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses at the hands of men. Ancient Israel as a nation bore the sword, as does the government 
in our day. And the sword being born means that civil law is to be maintained, even if it means capital punishment. And so verse 28 is talking about capital punishment under the law and how a violator of Moses' law died at the hands of men without mercy under two or three witnesses as the law of God required. Now back to Gromacki's statement, a violator under the old covenant suffered at the hands of man, but a rebel under the new covenant. A rebel under the new covenant of the Lord will be dealt with directly by God. Thus you have at the beginning of verse 29 of How much sorer punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who blah, 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 blah. So the setup of this text is to compare, once again, as we have throughout Hebrews, this contrast between the law and the Lord. And under the law, men suffered punishment at the hands of men as instructed by God. And in this passage, we're being told that people will be directly dealt with by the Almighty. Fall into the hands of your parents, and they rightly bear the switch. Fall into the hands of the state, and they rightly bear the sword. This passage is talking about every person falling into the hands of Almighty God. Under the law of Moses, the congregation inflicted physical punishments, but under the Lord, God himself enacts his hand in perfect wisdom. Thus we read in our communion instructions again this morning of some that are weak and some that are sick and some that are sleeping or physically dead because they obeyed not the truth delivered them. We introduce this next major section that runs from 26 to 39 with a focus upon the warning that is raised, 26 to 31. The woe-filled warning needs to be seen in the light of the three exhortations immediately preceding it, as well as the exhortations that are going to be following it. But just be reminded of the three preceding it, Verse 22, draw near. Verse 23, hold fast. Verse 24, consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Those three exhortations, draw near, hold fast, consider. 22, 23, 24 are brought to bear now upon the continuation of thought relative to this warning concerning willful sin. In the big picture of Hebrews, the whole book is, of course, an exhortation, as is clearly stated at the end of the letter. And we've seen that before, but let's just take a quick look at it this morning. Hebrews 13 and verse 22, 1322. 
And I beseech you, brethren, suffer the word of exhortation. For I have written a letter unto you in a few words. This entire letter is an exhortation, first and foremost, an exhortation to Jewish believers in Jesus the Christ. And yet, as we saw immediately in the section preceding this warning, uh, the exhortations draw near, the exhortations of holding fast, the exhortation of considering one another to provoke unto love are exhortations that apply to all uh, God's believers as verses 24 and 25 clearly indicate. It is also to be noted that the truth of the Lord's return in power and glory, as referenced at the end of verse 25, as ye see the day approaching, is also going to be a part of the conclusion of this section. If you jump just ahead a little bit with me, uh, you'll see uh, in verse 37, For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. And on this day in which we celebrate the Lord's table, we often make the reference that he who came comes. And uh, part of the logic of the warning that is going to be brought to bear as we study it over coming weeks is going to have that very same thought. For yet a little while, and he that shall come, will come, and will not tarry. There will come a day soon when we'll no longer pray, uh, even so come Lord Jesus because he will have come. The day approaching, verse 25 at the end, and uh, the thought of Christ's coming at the end of verse 37 kind of serve as bookends uh, in regards to the aspect of the warning that we are beginning to study uh, this morning. There are, in fact, only two classes of people in relationship to God. Those that remain as they were born, enemies of God. And there are those who, like Abraham, exercise faith in God and are called a friend by God. In the record of Scripture, God called Abraham and Moses friend. Abraham and Moses did not call God their friend. There's a reason for that. But God did call Abraham and Moses friend. God the Son called his 11 faithful disciples friends. Peter, James, and John never called themselves the friends of Jesus. There's a reason for that. But Jesus did call Peter and John friends with the caveat, If ye do whatsoever I command you. John 15, 14. This passage, like many other New Testament texts, brings forward a warning that is difficult because it warns true believers of what we might call God's friendly enemies. Friendly enemies. We can use the term friendly enemies to honestly describe two very different types of people. Scripture is clear that a person like the infamous Judas may well be perceived to be a friend of God that proves to be, in fact, 
enemy still. I would call Judas a friendly enemy. A friendly enemy. He's not saved, never been saved. But he is viewed as friendly. Though we know ultimately that he's an enemy. As all of us were born enemies of God. But we can also use the term friendly enemy to honestly describe the wayward believer. Scripture is clear that at times believers overtly sin and remain for a time unrepentant. Think of the famous Christians, Ananias and Sapphira of Acts chapter 5. We might call them friendly enemies. They're not like Judas, friendly enemies. Ananias and Sapphira were friendly enemies. You can take the word right out of our text and do the same kind of a thing. Verse 27 says, But a certain filthy work looking for judgment, of judgment, and firing indignation, which shall, which shall, in fact, devour adversaries. The fire is going to destroy all the enemies of God. Those that are actually enemies will be destroyed by God's judgment. Adversaries. But you can speak of the idea of those that are friendly adversaries. And you can speak of those that are adversarial friends. Friendly adversaries. Unsaved people. Adversarial friends. Saved people living wrong. You with me? You with me? Friendly adversaries. They're adversaries, but they're friendly. Judas. And then there are adversarial friends. Ananias and Sapphira. You with me? And this is a warning. And the question is, certainly to one of those, if not both of those, as we work the text. The question, of course, is that just that? How are we to understand this severe warning as given under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? It is indeed so severe that we might think it easy to completely reject the thought that it could in any way refer to a saved person. But this is why many individuals, this is why many good and godly men limit the warning here to the apostate, to the Judas, to the friendly enemy. Such a one deliberately sins against the truth of the gospel by defection and departure. John wrote of some such people saying, quote, they went out from us, but they were not really of us, for had they been of us, they would have remained with us. 1 John 2.19 Likewise, Paul warned Timothy that some will depart from the faith. Lost their salvation? Never. Lost their salvation? Never. But still depart from the faith, having been exposed to it. Apostasy describes people that may be known among the church family as believers, but indeed despise and reject 
the Lord Jesus. They are friendly adversaries. They are friendly enemies. Now, it's not hard at all to apply the truth of verse 26 to the apostate. For if we sin willfully after that, we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. We can certainly say that anyone who rejects the once-for-all sacrifice of Christ, even after being known as a Christian or even a Christian pastor, will find no other way onto personal salvation except the way of salvation that there is in Jesus Christ our Lord. If a Jewish person back in that day were to reject the sacrifice of Christ, even after being known as a Christian, he or she could find no solace whatsoever in any Old Testament sacrifices under the law in order for a good standing before God. This passage then becomes relatively easy-speezy if you exegete it to limit your understanding to the idea of apostasy. I doubt not that it warns of apostasy. But I am convinced, and I'm humble in my conviction, but I am convinced, and I'm going to do my best to be reverent in my conviction, there's a lot more to this than a simple warning of apostasy. God is the ultimate judge of all unrighteousness. And while we know that no true child of God will be judged to be in the end unsaved, we do know that every child of God will be judged for the things done in the body. Our communion instructions tell us that if we would judge ourselves as believers, according to the word of God given us, then we would not be judged of God. But every month around here at the Lord's table, we remind believers to judge themselves or subject yourselves to God's fatherly chastisements. And the passage itself that we read and read and read and read says, if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged of God, we are not judged like the unsaved people in the world. But we are dealt with as the family of God through faith in Jesus Christ. But nonetheless, I'm going to be arguing in coming weeks, so set your soul for it, that 30 and 31 do have a, a specific point of application for me and for you in the Lord. For we know him, capital H, that has said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge. What's the next two words? You didn't say it very loud. What's the next two words? 
You still didn't say it very loud. What's the next two words? Is that what God means? And so I should waltz into a Sunday morning service on the first day of the year and casually take the Lord's table and drink it and eat it and think myself well without consideration of my walk before the Lord in truth? Or is there something to be said for the scripture that says the Lord shall judge his people. Peter, wasn't his peat-picking heart, <laughs> said in his letter, is it ever time for judgment to begin at the house of the Lord? If we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are not judged as those that are going to be condemned in this world. Ultimately, both the unbeliever and the believer are subject to him with whom we have to do. And there were Back in the day, some misguided believers in Rome that thought God's grace received meant that they could live any old way they wanted to. And Paul, of course, addressed them saying, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And you know the answer. God forbid. But going forward, I will have very little more to say about the friendly enemy and the apostate, I have a lot more to say about the friendly enemies, or if you will, the adversarial friends of the Lord Jesus. Truly saved people that live sadly in disobedience. What a wonderful thing that God has done to bring before us and bring before us and to 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 bring before us as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup. Bring before us and bring before us and bring before us the very crux, the very, the very core, the very center of the gospel again and again and again in order that we might before the Lord say, Father, that's what I'm depending upon. I'm not depending today upon my performances in 2022. I'm not expecting much out of myself apart from thee in 2023. But, oh God, humbly, reverently, I call upon thy blessed and holy name as one who has saved me from my sins to live in honor of Christ Jesus my Lord in this new year. Father, may our hearts be so poised as we think upon these things and as we fellowship together around the table of our blessed Lord. Thank you again for the opportunity. We thank you in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen. Let's take